This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello, we are here for More Happier, a podcast where we get more happier. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Gretchen. So today, because of the recent death of Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, today we will talk about her and some memories of her. But first, Elizabeth, let's talk about something making us more happier. Yeah, Gretchen, what's making you more happier? Well, one thing that's making me more happier in this very, very sad time, because it wasn't a surprise, but it's still a shock, and it's still a very sad occasion when a person, a bright light dims, was that so many people sent me notes. I wanted to say thank you to everyone listeners, readers. I didn't know that so many people associated me with her and thought of me on the news and sent nice messages, said how much they appreciated her legacy. And so that was really, really lovely to see. I really, really appreciate that. How about you, Elizabeth? Well, Gretch, what's making me more happier is that I had the chance to meet Sandra Day O'Connor when you were clerking for her. Mom and dad and I all went to Washington, D.C., and we went to her office, and she took several minutes to talk to us. She was very friendly. She told us that you were a very easy decision for her to make, that she knew right away she wanted you to be a clerk, and it was really thrilling to meet her. You know what's funny about her offering me the position, though? So I went down to D.C. to interview with her. I was, you know, super excited, super nervous, so go down for New Haven, go to D.C., have the interview, go back up to school, and didn't hear anything from her, didn't think anything of it. She's a Supreme Court justice. And then I get this call, and it was Friday afternoon. It was like, call Justice O'Connor. And I was like, oh, I can't call her for the week. I'm like, what's going on? And she called, and she's like, Gretchen, you've never responded to my letter. And I was like, Gretchen, I never got a letter. 
And she had sent me a letter offering me the clerkship, but I think somebody in the Yale post office, you know, you can really see from the envelope that it's, you know, heavy stationery yeah. and embossed and all that. I wonder if they took it for her signature or whatever. Oh. And so I never got the letter. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I'll take gosh. it. And believe me, Justice O'Connor was not in suspense about whether I would take that job. So I don't think right. she was actually waiting to hear from me, but she was surprised that I didn't respond. And then when I got there, I asked um, Maggie, who worked for her, I was like, can you please make me a copy so that I have a copy as like a memento of the letter? Just run it off of the computer. So she gave me a copy. So I, I saw what it said. But it was just funny that one of the most important letters of my life, I, I, you know, was one that got lost in the mail. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a message to get. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that you, mom and dad, got the chance to meet her. It's really, really important. Yes, I am too. That was a great day. All right. Well, Gretchen, coming up, we're going to talk more about Justice O'Connor, but first this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So Gretchen, here's something I've been meaning to ask you. I think, as you said, many people associate you with Sandra Day O'Connor and your clerkship, but can you explain exactly what does a clerk do for the justice 
And how did you get the clerkship? So a clerkship typically is a one-year position. Most of the justices have four clerks who work for them. And these clerks just help the justice in their work. So, you know, there's a huge amount of paperwork in the Supreme Court, cert petitions coming in, managing it. There's all these memos that flow among the justices. There's analysis. So that's what you do. And you help the justice think through if there's research to do, if there's analysis to do, if there's summarizing to do. You just do whatever. You call the Office of a Justice their chambers, so you'll hear Mm -hmm. about the justice. One of the things that was very surprising to me, now it seems very natural, but at the time it really made me laugh, was that when you speak to a justice, you address them as justice. So it's like, justice, the cert petitions are here, Mm -hmm. as if she's like the embodiment of the spirit of justice. And I just, for some reason, thought that was funny that you really just call them justice. That's just their title. And Gretchen, I know you clerked for a federal judge first. Is that common? Yeah, that's very common. And all these things sort of evolve over time. But what's common now is that you would have a lower court clerkship first. So you might clerk most typically on the Court of Appeals. So that's an appeals court on the federal level. Or you might clerk for a district court. Some people do that. Sometimes people work for a year or two. So they might come in from a law firm But for me, I would say, at least then, I had the most typical profile, which was when I was the second year in law school, I got my lower court clerkship. I clerked on the Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit for Pierre Laval. And then when I was a third year, I applied for and and got the clerkship for Justice O'Connor. So then I, I graduated from law school, clerked for Judge Laval, and then clerked for Justice O'Connor. And then, funnily enough, that's when I took the bar. So I took the bar at the very end of all those clerkships. That's right. I remember that. I forgot that you hadn't taken the bar yet when you were the Supreme Court clerk. Yes. I learned a lot about evidence that I hadn't ever really quite understood when I was studying for the bar. It was was interesting. And you did pass on the first try. I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That was nice. Not everyone does. Oh, my gosh. Barbary. Those tapes, man, that is, uh, yeah, I remember taking the bar vividly. Yeah. So, Gretchen, what was Justice O'Connor like? You actually knew her. Yes. So, Justice O'Connor was, she was an, she was a fascinating person. Obviously, she was sort of this iconic person. She encompassed characteristics that, in a way, might seem like they were intention. Like, she was very demanding, and she was very warm, She was extremely hardworking and disciplined, but she was also fun-loving. She was very commanding. Like, she would say, hey, clerks, you're going to do a pumpkin display for my chambers for Halloween. And it was like, okay, this is happening. What's our vision for our pumpkin display? She had an aerobics class, and as a female clerk, you were expected to go to that aerobics class, which I did. And we even made T-shirts that said, justice never rests. That was like our theme for the year that I clerked. So wait, I need to hear more about the aerobics. Was it once a week? Was it a class? Not that she taught, obviously. No, no, no. We had a teacher. The teacher came in to the court. There's a gym at the top of the of the courthouse. In fact, there's a basketball court there, and people would play basketball, and they called it the highest court in the land because it was you know at the top of the building. This was the period, remember this one with aerobics, you would often have like a little step. Yeah. There would be a lot of stepping up, stepping down. So it was that era of aerobics. And I had my co-clerk, Julia, and I would do it. 
Yeah, so in, it, it was just a private class, so it was really, really a nice thing to do. Jess kind of was the kind of person who was like, exercise is really important, very disciplined in that way. It's funny how years later, she came to do an event in uh, New York City at the New York Public Library. And one of the things as a clerk is you know the people who clerk kind of at the same time. So actually, the people that I know best were the people who clerked for other justices, as well as my justice during that year, not so much other clerks for Justice O'Connor who were older or younger than I am, because unless I overlapped with them. The ones that I overlapped with, I know well, but the ones that were more distant, you know, a lot of times I, I wouldn't meet them except like at a big reunion or something. So I was there in New York City, and there was a clerk who had clerked several years after I clerked, and Justice O'Connor just looked at us and she said, well, you two should be friends. And I was like, mm. okay, uh, this is happening. We are friends. And I just saw her last night, and we're going on a walk next week because she told us to be friends. And so, okay, we're going to be friends. And we made friends. So she just had all these personal touches. Like if you had a baby, she would send you a T-shirt that says Grand Clerk. So it had the seal of the court, and then it would say, mm. so we called her SOC or SOC. Those were her initials. We would Clerks often will refer to justices by their initials. This is why, like, notorious RBG, yes. we often would call her RBG. And so we called her SOC or SOC. So it says SOC, Grand Clerk, and that was really sweet. My daughters, we have memorandum boxes with all their precious memories, and so I dug that out to take a look at it. She took us fishing. Elizabeth, you will be astonished to hear that I got the biggest fish on our fishing trip, which astonished everybody. I, me, I me, am me most of all. That. I backed away from that fish. I was like, please take this fish. She celebrated birthdays. She really created this very warm, friendly atmosphere around her. Everybody was very respectful of each other, even though we didn't always agree on things. Yeah, it was, you know, and another thing about her, she was kind of this curious combination of extremely self-assured, mm. very commanding and practical. But then also she had a humility. She had an openness mm. to argument. She listened. You felt like that she was listening to other people. And so I think sometimes people are sort of tip one way or the other, and she could combine both. And I think that that is rare and hard to maintain. And she could be very firm. Like I remember this time when I had written her a memo about something, some complicated subject. And she looked at me and paused. And then she said, I think your reasoning is perfunctory. Mm. And I was like, I kind of was hoping you hadn't noticed that. <laughs> you know, but it was Did just, you say no, that? No, I was just like, just oh, yes, Justice. I will address that, Justice. But I just the way she said perfunctory that I've never, you know, it's just funny what things just will stand yes. out in your brain with just such clarity. I remember what I was wearing and like how we were standing. We were standing up and she handed it back to me and I, I just, I, it's just etched in my brain. It also shows her command of language that she had the exact right word yes. to use that she could just pinpoint yes. exactly what the problem was yes. with what you had given her that communicated what she wanted to communicate. Right, because I knew exactly what she was talking about. Yes. Yeah, so it was it was really an extraordinary experience to be around someone who was such an iconic figure and played such an important role in the United States for so many years. Yes, but she was, um, in case anyone doesn't know, the first woman yes. appointed to the Supreme yes. Court under Ronald Reagan, yes. and she was unanimously yes. confirmed. Yeah, so she did play this historic role 
in the court. All right, Gretchen. And what is our spotlight on a tool? I know we have one related to sock. So this is the thing. Looking back, I've spent the last while leafing through old photo albums and reacquainting myself with her autobiography, Lazy Bee. I have been reading articles about her and it's just, it's all coming flooding back to me. And I so wish, because sometimes, you know, in everyday life, you're just having a year and it's like, oh, this is a year like every other year. And then sometimes you're like, wow, this year is special. This is a standout year. Like maybe I'm getting married or I'm switching careers or I'm, you know, you know that for some reason it's particularly laden with significance. I 100% knew that when I was clerking. Of course, I was like, this is something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And I really wish at that time that I had something like the Memento Journal and something like the One Sentence Journal. Mm. Now I have like an actual Memento Journal and an actual One Sentence Journal. But I could have created something like this for myself. I could have just cobbled something together. And I would so love to have something like that where I just had just the ephemera of everyday life in my Memento Journal. What was was just like a typical silly email that my co-clerks and I sent to each other? Or what did a normal schedule look like? Or in the one-sentence journal, what did I do on a typical day? I would love to just say, like, as the year went on, what did I do? What was the pattern of our time? Because with so many years, uh, I remember standout things, but it's the little things that I've lost track of. And so I've learned that lesson. And Elizabeth, you and I say this all the time, never forget how easy it is to forget. Yes. You think you have that brilliant idea and it's such a standout. There's no way you won't remember it, but 100% you will forget it. And it's same thing. I'm like, this is so intense. This will be etched in my mind forever. It's like life is long and other things will crowd it out. So if you're curious about a memento journal or one sentence journal, because you feel like that's something you would like to have for something you're doing, it's at happiercast.com slash journals. Because they can really, it can be really powerful to hold on to those memories from the past. Yes. And Gretch, coming up, we're going to talk more about Sandra Day O'Connor, but first this break. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. (laughs) 
I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. So Gretchen, here's what I want to know. What was it like working in the Supreme Court? Because as you said, it's only for a year. That is not a long time. And yet it's such a big part of your past. So important. So ongoing. I mean, you have reunions. As you said, you've made friends um, who were other clerks. You went to see her a few years ago in Arizona after she retired. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Well, it's interesting. It's a good reminder that in a year, you can have a major experience of your life, you know, but probably Mm -hmm. even like in three months. It can feel like a whole big chapter. And so it was definitely that for me. Now, I'm going to talk about my experience, which, of course, was a long time ago. So I'm not speaking to the current experience of someone who's clerking on the Supreme Court. But one of the things that was really exciting about it was that everyone took it so seriously and everyone was trying to do their best at all times. And so even if you disagreed with what the justice was doing, there was no doubt that the justices were trying to do their very best and live up to their own highest ideals of how to serve the country. And everybody, every single employee of the Supreme Court was just really dedicated to the highest possible level of work. And that is just exciting. Maybe it's the upholder in me, but Mm -hmm. I found it like just thrilling for everyone to just be pulling together to be like, I remember the year that I clerked, there was a terrible snowstorm, like one of the worst snowstorms in Washington, D.C. in a long time. And the, and the chief justice was like, we're opening this court. Those lawyers, they are ready to go. This is their day. And we're going to like, I think court marshals went to go get the justices at their houses because it was so impassable. And I like fought my way there, you know, on all this public transportation because it was like, we're doing this. Like, this is the highest standard. And the justices held themselves to that and everybody else did. So that was exciting. One of the things that's odd about it is the secrecy. And the justices, you just don't talk about a lot of what you talk about with your justice so that they feel like they really have this confidential relationship with their clerks. And even funny things like in the lunchroom, there was, you know, cafeteria in the Supreme Court. And if we ate in the Supreme Court, we had to eat in a special dining room because there was a fear that lawyers or other parties could be listening in. And if we were talking about a case, which we often would, because we were just talking shop in our lunch hour as we were meeting with each other, that they could overhear what we were saying. So we had to be very careful not to like talk about things in the in the elevator or whatever, and to always be mindful of that. And so could you talk to the clerks for other justices freely? So all clerks could talk freely together, but we just have to make sure. Unless unless there was some reason not to. That was very easy to navigate. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that was odd, and other people who have been in courthouses may have experienced this, is it's very different to see someone in robes. Mm. I'm a big believer in this. I'm a big believer in uniforms as a way to help people connect with a role. So like, I like a doctor in a white coat. Mm. I like a judge in a robe. And I have a friend who's a judge and she said she thinks very carefully about when she's in a robe and when she's in regular clothes because she says sometimes when people appear before her, she wants to be like cloaked in the majesty of justice. But then sometimes 
if she wants to have a side conversation with like, really, how many days do you guys think this is going to take? How many days do you need? And she wants them to feel mm. a little bit more like, okay, we're going to talk about this like on background kind of thing. She'll yeah. appear in her regular clothes because then it feels more like, well, this isn't an official thing. This is we're, we're just like talking about it to try to figure it out like among the parties. But seeing the justice put on her robes and like appear on that in that lineup of justices up in front of this beautiful majestic courthouse, I mean, it really did. It was really awe inspiring. It kind of brought tears to my eyes, really, when that gavel came down. It was really, it was the power of justice and the the yes. the promise of justice and the aim of justice, which you know we never live up to that aim, but it's an ideal. Well, and I know you do still hold that and think about it in your approach to the world and when you're making decisions. I do feel like you go back to that time in a way yeah. and apply that time to whatever you're thinking about now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my question is a less lofty question. Yeah. Was it sort of like freshman year of college where you arrive and you suddenly are meeting all of these yeah. people who are your age yeah. and doing the same thing? And, and was everybody just running around having fun at the same time that they were doing this big job? Yeah, it was funny. We had a happy hour, but I remember like nobody really like ever had a beer until the last no. week because it's like, okay, oh, I got to go back and finish up. Um, but no, but it was super exciting. A lot of people kind of knew each other already because, you know, if you knew people from law school or if you had clerked on a court of appeals, you might have met other clerks. Mm. And so there was this clustering. But it was it was really exciting to meet new people and to be working together. So there was that first year of work energy. I still am close to several people that I clerked with and I'm friendly with several others, you know, kind of in less uh, constant contact. So it really was, it was fun, but it wasn't, it was not rowdy. We were not a rowdy right. crowd, but we were, we were a very chatty crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, one thing that I think is remarkable is how much she clearly understood the importance of this role, like in her clerk's life. Yes, she did. That this is something yes. that they would take with them that would be a big influence on them yes. that would stay with them forever. It's a very special relationship, a judge or a justice and clerks. It's really nice. It's a real connection, a real lifelong connection. It's it's wonderful. And you said that she was very influenced by her upbringing. Yes. Yeah, so Justice O'Connor, I mean, she once, she once uh, described herself as a young cowgirl from the Arizona desert. So <laughs> that was a big part of her identity. You know, if you walk into the Supreme Court building, it's it looks like a Roman temple. I mean, it literally looks like a Roman temple. It's got white marble. It's got pediments. It's got columns. It's got incredibly high ceilings. But in her chambers, there were woven baskets and woven rugs and statues of cowboys on horses. You really felt her love of the American Southwest. And she would often talk about growing up on the Lazy Bee Ranch. And, I mean— she had this very kind of pragmatic, get it done, don't complain, don't fuss, just knuckle down attitude. And one of the stories that she would often talk about is, so she got up really early to cook lunch for a bunch of trail hands. And she got in the truck and was going to deliver the food and she blew a tire. So she had to stop mm. and change the tire. I mean, she's like 15 years old at this time. So she stopped. Yeah, and she, she knew how to change the yeah, tire. Yeah, so she's like, okay, I got it change the tire, go there. And she was late arriving because she got held up changing the tire. And her father was like, where were you? Everybody's hungry. And she said, well, you know, I had to change the tire. And he said, well, next time leave earlier. Oh. So it's just don't complain. Don't make excuses. Just get it done. And she really had that very pragmatic, very, 
And, you know, just very tied to that sense of growing up on a ranch and the self-reliance. And she always talked about rain, how much they loved rain, how much they wanted rain, how precious every drop of rain was. And so even in the time that I knew her, she was still talking about that. So you can see mm. what kind of impression it made on her. Well, it sounds like she was practical, but as you said, like adventurous yes. and fun-loving, yes. which is how I you think of the kind of American Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. So that all goes. Yeah. Yeah, and Gretch, um, finally, I want to ask you, what did she think of the fact that you left law? Was she disappointed? Mm. So Justice O'Connor would never would have said that she was disappointed. She was enthusiastically supportive of whatever. I'm not even the clerk that had the biggest pivot. One um, A clerk from my sort of near my era went on to be an opera singer in Boston. Oh. He's now back in law, <laughs> wow. but he took, a, he took a detour. And I was like, that's even more unusual than becoming a writer, which is, which is yeah. not that unusual for a lawyer. And I remember telling her about, I was you know, working on the Happiness Project, and she told me her secret to happiness, her secret to happiness was work worth doing, mm. which I think is an excellent answer. you said answer. that to me before. Yes, and I did a little happier. I'll put a link to the little happier where I talk about that, which I think is a very profound answer. Um, but I will say that I do think that to Justice O'Connor, she had a special feeling for when a clerk would become a judge. She really yeah. did feel like there was something special about a judge. And she worked her whole life for the rule of law and judicial independence and just this ideal of good government and the, the rightful administration of law. And so, and I remember reading um, just in one of these, these roundups, this was something that I had not known, is that apparently at her confirmation hearing back in 1981, um, she was asked what kind of legacy she wanted to leave. And she said, ah, oh, the tombstone question. She said, I hope it says, here lies a good judge. Mm. So that was her great that's ideal. Well. I wonder if that will be on her tombstone. <laughs> yes. Well, Gretchen, I've loved hearing about your time with Justice O'Connor. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to reminisce about her and about that time. I will post some photos in the show notes if you want to see the Grand Clerk t-shirt or my Justice Never Rest t-shirts or mm. some photos of me and the Justice together back in the day. I'll post those. And I'll also link to a few little happiers that I've done where I told mm. stories related to my clerkship because there were you know many memorable things that happened. So I have some little happiers about that. And I will put those in the notes if people want them. What is our quote, Gretchen? In honor of Justice O'Connor, I will quote from the words that appear on the front of the Supreme Court building, equal justice under law. That is our great aim and our great challenge and something she worked for her whole life. So Elizabeth, are you feeling more happier? Yes, I am feeling more happier. Thank you to Chuck. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram and threads and TikTok at Gretchen Rubin. And I'm on Instagram and threads at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And for everything related to this episode, links, photos, and more, go to happiercast.com. Bye, Gretch. Bye, Elizabeth. The best time to start a happiness project is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Gretch, what was that story you had about the birthday book? Oh, yeah. So in her chambers, birthdays were a really big deal. So the year before I got there, the clerks had given her one of those, you know, those big birthday books where it's like, here's your astrological sign, and here's your birthstone, and here yeah. are, you know, important events that happened on your birthday. 
and uh, for every day of the year. And so when her birthday came, she said, oh, get the birthday book and tell me what famous person was born on my birthday. And I opened it up and I said, it's you, Justice. And I held it up and there was a picture of Sandra Day O'Connor, first female oh. associate justice of the Supreme Court. She got a very strange look on her face. I think it's pretty strange to be an icon. Yeah. Kind of strange even to be standing next to the icon. Yes. <laughs> Love that. From the Onward Project. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. <laughs> 